All right, so let me tell you guys about my shithole. <laughs> <laughs> guys, Ryan doesn't have a toilet. Yeah. And we just talked about that for a handful of minutes. Today's not our, our collective day, apparently. You know, it's raining. Um, <laughs> we, uh... In, in almost 100 episodes, we have not had a recording malfunction. I mean, if you count the Patreon, it's like at least 150 at this point. Go up, probably closer to 200? I don't know. It's got to be closer to 200 at, at this point. Sure. For the first time in at least 150 episodes, I just didn't record my own audio for the first three minutes. So we're, we're here doing it again with you. Yeah, and, and me complaining about my shithole was me yelling <laughs> at Spencer about the fact that uh, I've been toiletless for 48 hours. Home ownership is a motherfucker sometimes, uh-huh. ain't it? And I had to uh I had to text Spencer at noon today and go, Hey bro, what are you doing? <laughs> Spencer you, and I live close to each other. I said, Are you home? And he's like, Yeah. And I said, Can I use your bathroom? <laughs> Which is like a weird question to ask uh, someone if you haven't been friends for a decade. Sure. Or but, if you don't live like a mile away from each other. Or it would have been way better if you didn't understand, like if we right, hadn't already right. texted about my situation no, and you're I, like, dude, what? Why? I was totally fine with it. Uh, I was just a little concerned about what had happened between when you woke up and mm. noon. It seems like a little late in the day to be initiating that conversation about where you were going to pee today. I, I had uh, I'd used an extension cord to <laughs> tie my legs together and hold it real Ooh. That's not good for you, but I, I had not done that. I I uh, I woke up in actually in my parents' house mm. uh, this Did morning. You abducted? <laughs> it was very strange. Missing time. Missing time. Wouldn't that be be like the most friendly abduction ever? Yeah, it was weird, man. I went to sleep in my own bed and woke up in my parents' house. <laughs> they were just off by like twenty years. <laughs> Time is all relative, you know. They tried to put you back it's where true. they started. They it's just true. Got... <laughs> he was like a little time dilation. He happened. was here-ish. Yeah, yeah. This was the right place the last time we checked. Yeah, no, it's a uh, you know, believe it or not, you don't really want to go to a go to sleep in a place where you don't have a toilet because whenever you Dang. wake up, whether that's the middle of the night or the morning, you're gonna want that there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I slept elsewhere last night mm. too. I had a, to remedy a, that situation. a somewhat similar experience over the weekend. I was helping my my in-laws move into their new home. Of being toiletless? Uh, a little bit. Okay. Except they, they're moving up to the, the north woods of Minnesota, and mm. they just built a house that's like kind of finished, but not quite finished. Did they did they go the outhouse route but for they, their new home? But they had to be out of their old house, so mm. we were, I was unloading a, a shipping container full of all of my in-laws' belongings this weekend. Sick. And then sleeping on their porch. You're a good son-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I have this vision of you just like with a with like a bath towel as a blanket sleeping on like hardwood on the porch. Uh, no, I had an air mattress and like a real blanket. Blanket. Take a candle, Spencer. <laughs> Don't get eaten by bears. Thanks for helping. Well, I did hear some wild shit Uh-oh. overnight. They live Skittios. on on a lake that also their like closest neighbor is the national forest of like four hours north of here, Minnesota. Dope. And there are definitely like bears and hell yeah, there are uh, lynx and stuff running around out there. Wolfies. So I, I heard some some real weird animals overnight that I'm not used to hearing. Is this a screen porch? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there was a door. Uh, yeah, but not a door that would stop anything that cared enough to right. consume you. Right. <laughs> the a hungry enough thing could have had a Spencer sandwich for yeah, for sure. What I was getting at though is up there you can just walk outside and pee. It's it's. Not really frowned upon. It's uh, when you have no neighbors. It's but. lovingly referred to as the big green latrine. Yeah, 
in a in a city of three hundred thousand people, it's frowned upon, I guess. Yeah, yeah. My and when your neighbors are ten feet away instead of say, ten miles, my neighbors can uh, my neighbors can like hand me a a a a beer through their window into my window if we reached far enough. So. Yeah. Well. Well. Feel free to use the bathroom as many times as you want while you're here. Thank you so much. Oh God, I have a toilet <laughs> if you bag get, like, actually as real of like the very end of the oh, day. Well, okay. Yes. A new one? Uh, or it's the old this, one? It's the same toilet, okay. but okay. now actually secured to the floor instead of like it was before. Nice. So, well, that's that's it's a pretty productive day. No tippy toilet canoe for me anymore, <laughs> boys and girls. Shall uh, we? Yeah, you know, let's leave our worlds of uh, of technical malfunctions and toiletless <laughs> dreams behind, and, you wanna, you and dive about... into some dead kids. <laughs> that is the worst possible way you could phrase that. I have no tact today. <laughs> I am a tactless shell of my former self. Um, yeah, we're gonna I'm talk sorry, about guys. one of the like biggest mysteries that we have yet to cover on this show and i'm kind of surprised we made it this far without covering it honestly i to be honest with you i think at one point we had a might have been an on-air production meeting might have been an off-air conversation that was like boy oh boy this is one of those like greatest hits like a whole lot of people have had this conversation Mm -hmm. so we were kind of like let's you know let's wait until we're ready to like put our own spin on things (laughs) and instead (laughs) it's like the least amount of prep we've ever put into an episode (laughs) Well, I think the other thing is you and I know this know this story like decently true, well true. at this point because you know we're we're fans of all this stuff too. So we're talking about Dyatlov Pass for for those of you that did not read the title of this episode, or if we forgot to put it in the title because we haven't figured out what the title is going to be yet, or if I got what really if you froze to death, or if I got drunk and angry at the end of recording and when we uploaded it, I just wrote in all caps, <laughs> "What if you didn't have a toilet? God damn it!" And we just called the episode that instead. Um. Remember when we used to title our episodes completely like nonsense things and then nobody downloaded them? Yes. Yes, I do. Like what if uh, dolphins could skydive or whatever we called that one? Yep. It has like 45 downloads. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, it was also like our third episode where no one was actually listening to the true, show too. True. There were more people on the show than there were listening to it. <laughs> and five guys on the show and the three listeners. That's real. Mm-hmm. That's real. We're like, mm. you guys want to be on the mm. show too? You might as well. Like. Uh, can we mention our special guests for the for the live show before oh, we yeah. before we dive in? Is that a confirmed thing that we can talk about? Uh, yeah, we 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 definitely can. So, in addition to Lydia Liza playing some music and probably hanging out and talking with us, uh, and Claire DeLune of Tiny Desk DJing, we're gonna have Sims of Doomtree hanging out and talking about weird shit with us. Yeah, uh, and a topic that we haven't figured out yet, but maybe should soon. Yeah, we well, yeah, we've been we've been ruminating on a on a couple of ideas. We'll we'll see where it leads us. September nineteenth, Ice House. We're gonna hang out with Lydia Eliza and Claire DeLune and if you, Sims. If you have part- and y'all. And y'all, if y'all have particular stories you want us to cover, uh, and especially if you're like mm. going to the live show, you you get credence to, to at least weigh in. Yeah, we've never done like a, a full on Q and A thing. I'd be down to do part of part of the show as that at least. But yeah, for sure. If you are going to the live show and you either want to ask us about something specifically, either maybe we'll facilitate a way to do it at the show, but maybe we just get it in advance. Send us an email at hi at whatifpodcast.com. Or send us a, shoot us a voicemail at 612-246-4614. Uh, tell us you're going to be at the show. And who knows? Maybe you'll get to ask a question on a live recording of the show. Pew, pew, pew. Uh, but yeah, September 19th. We hope to see all of your shining faces. Every 
one of your shining faces, yes, we would break Ice House. Gatliff Pass. Let's get her. Let's get it. 1959, February of 1959, there are nine ski hikers. So they're hiking and they're skiing because it's February. Um, hiking through the northern Ural Mountains in northwest Russia. Like, way the fuck up there, Russia. Can we call them skikers? Um, yeah, that's probably better than here's. <laughs> <laughs> Here! <laughs> Here's pretty good, actually. Here, here feels good to say. Okay, well, you, you know, whichever one feels better to you, you, you go for it. I'll alternate as we proceed. There were nine hears moving their way through the uh, the Ural Mountains, and they most of them were students or alumni of the Ural Polytechnical Institute, and they were on, on an expedition to uh, to reach this mountain called Gora Oratin. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And to get there, they had to. Uh, travel through this mountain pass that is now called Dyatlov Pass, uh, which is named after one of the people from this expedition. At the time, it was called something else. I don't remember. We can't call this what if you disappeared part whatever, because... No, we, they found him. We found him, mm-hmm. and it was sad. Well, I guess that's happened once before, yeah. but... So on February 1st, uh, they had been on this expedition for about four or five days, and on the 1st, they were going to make their way through this pass to the other side of this mountain mm-hmm. to reach... Another mountain. Mm-hmm. And they were planning to get through the pass and then make camp on the other side for the night, but they ran into a snowstorm and had to uh, make camp earlier or uh, closer than they thought they were going to. And it was sort of whiteout conditions. And instead of moving through the pass, they actually moved about a mile and a half up the side of one of the mountains that they were passing through. Mm. And uh, eventually decided to just stop where they were and make camp on the side of this mountain rather than try and proceed further and get more off their course. So they're camping. Uh, They don't exactly know where they are because they're like considerably off course. They decided to just stop for the night. They can't see where they're going. It's snowing. They're just going to make camp where they are for the night. Are they going further up because, like, when you wake up in the morning, maybe you have a better vantage point of actually figuring out where you are? No, they were lost. Okay. They did not know they were going up, but they were. I don't know. When I'm when I'm hiking uphill, I feel like well, I'm pretty good. There will be lots of questions. That's true. To be addressed also, throughout this story. Also, it's a snowstorm. You're trudging through snow. Everything feels like you're climbing. Basically. I was looking at some of the photos because um, they brought some cameras with them and the photos that they took were some of the photos that they took were recovered and Mm -hmm. it was like straight up white out like you could see the person behind you and not much else that's crazy and if you're skiing maybe i I don't know maybe it's less obvious that you're yeah because you're just gliding changing grade i don't i I would think skiing uphill would be also quite difficult but i should scary so they um they realized that they had gone uphill but decided to just stay because they didn't want to go further off course and they were tired and they just said fuck it we're going to set up camp here mm-hmm. um, of the nine people they were all pretty experienced winter hikers they were all fit they were between the ages of 21 and 24 except for one person who was 38 um, most of them knew each other and had hiked and skied and gone on expeditions together in the past um, they're pretty- in a on a nerd vacation. Yeah, they were pretty well qualified to be doing what they were doing. Yes. However, the 
what they were doing was pretty extreme. Like they're the they were far enough north, like the latitude that they were at was like they're north of pretty much any settlement in the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the furthest north big cities in the world, like Oslo and those places, like they're considerably further north than that. And overnight they were looking at temperatures of negative twenty to negative thirty degrees Fahrenheit. They were Ugh. on foot. They were all sharing a canvas tent. And um, at this point, had been out for five-ish days, I think. I read in one of the things I was reading that, um, yeah, because I can't remember which one. That's about how. <laughs> yeah, I read in uh, the place where you read stuff. That's about that's about how we source <laughs> things here sometimes. I was reading on the internet. I was reading in a book. Um, Trump level citations. One of the things I read. How dare you compare us? To him. <laughs> um, one of the things I read said that there's like you know how ski hills they have different like diamond, black diamond, double diamond, yeah. whatever like green grades. circle, blue square, whatever the fuck. Yeah, it's rainbows and balloons. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard that there's basically three of those for popular hikes or hiking areas or whatever. Yeah, and that um. This was like a category three or a level three or whatever they call it. This one is just is like the, the hardest level you can get to, basically. The purple devil emoji. The purple devil. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Man, then they would have been time travelers if they could have had that back then. Great point. Um, So they, they stop and make camp here for the night. And that's where we kind of stop knowing what happened. Good. Sorry, just to clarify... And how do we know that that's when we stop knowing what happened? They were keeping fairly jur- or fairly, hmm, fairly detailed journals Year. up until this day. So and this is where the journal entries and the photographs stopped. I was going to say in the photographs too, right? Because we have like relative dating of the photographs in terms of this was think, yeah, day one, so. this was day two. Yeah. Yep. Got it. Um, or they would have been sequential at least. Yep. Um, so yeah, they, they were keeping... Journals and photographs that stopped on February 1st. They had planned to be back uh, at least by February 12th, uh, but also there was some wiggle room there because shit happens and weather and pace and whatever. So um, a search was not organized until February 20th to go find them. Yeah, I suppose like by a week. That's when you're pretty sure something isn't right. I got a dumb question for you. Yes. Would there have been an equivalent of like an emergency beacon back then? Like, you know how now, I mean, obviously we didn't have GPS back then, but like, you know, not flare. I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Probably not. Or like a radio. Like, is there like an emergency AM radio station you could get onto or they may have had a radio with them. Okay. I didn't, I haven't heard anything about that. I'm pretty sure they did not, but they could have potentially have brought a radio with them. Yeah. I guess is what I mean. Because I was just thinking about that related to that date of being like, boy, uh, we stopped hearing about them on the 1st, expected them by the 12th, didn't even start searching for them until the 20th. That's almost three weeks of time that had passed since people even started going after them. Well, no one would have had any idea that anything was wrong until they didn't show up on the 12th. And I guess what I was saying was like, if shit was hitting the fan in some way, they could have 
potentially radioed on the first and been like SOS, SOS, like we're, something's wrong. Sure. I, I think where they were, like you could only really get to where they were on foot anyway. So I don't know how much good it would have done them. Yeah. I don't know. I was just thinking if the sooner the better to potentially be able to be like, come get us. We're- also, if it's negative 30 out, like you're looking at minutes and hours rather than days. That's real. <laughs> That's real. So the on the 26th, Search actually started. Oh, so they just like were organizing on the twentieth. Yeah. Uh, or I'm sorry. On the the twentieth, the search started. On the twenty sixth, they actually found their first bit of information. Okay. So that like kicked off the we're on the right track thing. Yeah. Um, the first thing that they came across, and this was the search was mostly the search party was mostly people from their university, and it was Got some it. of their parents that initiated the. Uh, Hey, maybe we should go look for them, train. Yeah. I mean, you got to be expecting the worst at that point already, right? I, yeah. I mean, they, I I don't understand how this wasn't viewed as like an extremely dangerous thing in the first place. I mean, was it not? I don't know. But like, they didn't seem to take a whole lot of precautions. Maybe it was like dangerous, but like expectedly dangerous, if that makes sense. You know how like there are people who their hobby is rock climbing and they go rock climbing 10 and 15 times a year and like hardcore destinations and maybe like it just becomes sort of second nature to your friends and family that this is kind of a crazy thing that you do. Just when you factor in those temperatures, though, like your margins yeah, for, for sure. error are just so thin. For sure. Like if anything goes wrong, you can die within hours. Right. Right. Like, if you don't have a fire overnight, you will die. Yeah, guaranteed. Right. <laughs> like, that's that's a pretty thin margin to be working with. Now you guys know I don't camp. <laughs> Winter camping sounds fucking crazy. It does sound Even in Minnesota, crazy. I would never try that shit. Dude, you, you're going to hit some of those same overnight temperatures in January here. Mm, if you go pretty far north, yeah. Yeah. Not usually in the city, but yeah. No, but I mean, in Minnesota, for sure. Yeah, so they found the uh, their campsite and their tent first, and the the tent had been abandoned and was uh, mostly collapsed, and there was some snow on top of it. Uh, it was empty; no one was in it. Um, but all of their all of their belongings had been left behind, including most of their clothing, which was the first sign that like something weird had happened. That yeah. you would leave your tent and not take even like basic clothing with you. Like there were boots and jackets left inside the tent, but there were no, no one was there. Well, and I think like, I, I feel like we can't, like you can't, uh, you can't gloss over how, in my opinion, how strange it is to leave the tent at all. Right. Like that's where, that's your only semblance of a lasting fire. Didn't they have like a, like a, um, like a furnace or like a kettle? They had a heater thing. What sounds like, and I found a couple photos of it, but it sounds like it was a, a fairly jerry-rigged type of contraption. Yeah. But they had a small wood-burning stove. Like a camping stove? With of. like a, I don't know, a, a small wood stove, I guess. I don't, yeah, I don't yeah, know how yeah. to describe it really. But with a, an exhaust pipe that went outside of the tent. Yeah. So that you could burn wood overnight inside the tent to stay warm. But not kill yourself. And not smoke yourself to death instantly. How did they? How did they round round robin the? 
Uh, who's going to carry the stove? That was my question, too. Like, it has to be metal, obviously, right? You can't burn. I don't know what else it could be. Ceramic, yeah. maybe, or something. But, like, anything that can sustain six to eight hours of fire at a time has right. to be. Like, maybe you could break it down into pieces and split it between three people, and everyone Some, takes three. Yeah. And I guess, like, the exhaust pipe could probably be some lighter like collapsible material or something but the stove itself has got to be pretty hardy i would think it's like whoever farted in a tent the most the (laughs) night before you're like man you carry it so they find the tent it's collapsed there's all pretty much all their belongings still in it they also noticed that the tent had been cut open on the side um like near near the actual opening of the tent Mm. And it appeared that it had been cut from the inside, which I've, until today, always wondered how you could possibly tell which direction a tent had been cut from. Still do. Please enlighten me. Okay. The way that they determined that is that there were other marks on the inside of the tent, like thinner cuts that hadn't penetrated all the way through. So there were, it wasn't like one smooth cut. It was several jagged cuts, and then next to it, there were other cuts or, like, thinner tears in the thick canvas that didn't actually go all the way through. So someone had been, like, stabbing at it, didn't get through a couple times, then got got through with a knife or whatever. That puts a whole additional layer of, like, right? into right? that being the case. And this is my first, like, the first sticking point for me of... There aren't that many things that would result in you cutting open your tent from the inside. It has to be... Can you name one? Well, something has to be happening inside your tent that is an immediate threat. I I would agree with that. Or I guess... I guess if... Potentially, you feel like something is trying to enter your tent from the other side of the tent. But the cuts were on the same side of the tent as the door of the tent. There's no way it's easier to cut the tent open than to just open the flap. No, but I guess what I'm saying is like if um, like if a bear, let's say a bear was like trying to attack the tent from the opposite side of where they're trying to cut out. Mm -hmm. Maybe like something that's the only situation I could see where something from outside of the tent would be causing you to be like, get me but the fuck out of here. Agreed, but you wouldn't cut it. You would just zip the shit open. Well, but I was also wondering what the um like what the mechanism was that kept it shut. And is there a potential that in those conditions, is it some sort of like froze or something? Or is it like knots or ties or a combination I of like a was... zipper plus ties or yeah. like maybe I don't know that that was the that was the only other thing I could think of that would be like a reason why you would be like I have to leave immediately and you would just be like I'm not even trying to fiddle with like knots right now I'm getting out of here. Yeah, I guess. But I agree with you. It's it's and, a it's a weird sticking point. And if you're looking at something inside the tent, so it's what one of the other people. Yes. Or somehow something has gotten into your tent with you. Yes. Like, that's it, right? I mean, that's that's the only thing I can think of. And what could get into your tent without causing any damage from the outside? Also, what the fuck is alive up there to get into your tent? 
Yeah. I can't imagine it's a whole lot of things at 20 degrees below zero temperatures. The My one thought that would sort of make sense would be with the wood stove contraption, if that malfunctioned and there was smoke inside the tent. Oh, that's true. To where you were either disoriented and or couldn't see very well, it would be easier to cut your way out than to try and find a zipper or a tie or whatever and then fumble with it. And if you're like, I don't have air, this needs to happen as quickly as possible. Right, right. Maybe, but like... But we have no evidence of a fire in the tent, right? No, but like with their weird jerry-rigged exhaust pipe, if like the pipe comes off, the fire's burning normally inside the... um, Inside the stove, but it's just putting the smoke out into the into tent. Into the tent, yeah, it makes sense. So you sense. wouldn't have burn marks, but it could have filled with smoke. But even then, you have to know, like, if you cut that tent open... That's the last tent. You probably die. Unless... Or you're in real rough shape. Yeah, unless you brought a seamstress with who's super good at repairing And tents. if you look at the photos, it's like, it's not a small, straight cut. It's like... It's, it's a, fucked. It's a rip. Yeah. And like it's a, a couple of them in different directions, too. It's not clean at all. Which is another part that is so strange to me is like the franticness of like stab cutting in multiple different directions to Leaving get out. Leaving clothes and shoes behind. That's a very violent exit. Yes. Which also leads me to think maybe like there was some confrontation between people in the tent. And somebody was like, get me out of yeah, here because yeah. there's an immediate threat in front of my face and I'd rather go outside to negative 30 in my underwear right 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 so they first come across the tent in that condition and most of their belongings um, still in the tent outside of the tent they see what they thought were nine but I maybe could have been eight because they were overlapping sets of footprints um, most of the footprints were made either by socked feet or bare feet there were only a couple of like boot slash shoe prints. Again, like, why? Like right. that 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 screams urgency to me. A violent exit of like I'm not I'm not even gonna put my shoes on in 20 degree below zero weather. Yes, but also the tracks were pretty well preserved and didn't look to be frantic. You know, like if you're running in powdery snow you're like kicking and there's gonna yeah they're not gonna be clean smooth prints like a trudge kind and they're of. gonna be more scattered if eight people are eight or nine people are running out of a tent they're yeah. gonna be spread out and these were pretty much like in a line leaving the tent that's trippy and it had been preserved as like pretty solid prints not that makes my insides feel weird yeah it doesn't like <laughs> it just it from jump doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. uh they followed these footprints to the edge of um, like a tree line, uh, some woods nearby. And um, at the edge of the the tree line under a big pine tree, they found uh, the remains of uh, like a, a small fire. So somebody had made it to that point. I think they said it was about uh, like a couple hundred meters away from their, their campsite. Somebody had made it to this tree line and, tried to slash at least temporarily succeeded in making a fire. And they had also, um, underneath this tree where the, the fire was about five up to five meters up the tree branches had been broken and or knocked down. 
as if someone had been climbing up in the tree. So maybe somebody either trying to get a vantage point or maybe break off wood for a fire. Although, yeah. Or maybe get away from something. Also this. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I guess it seems possible that there would have been dead or drier, at least branches near the bottom of the tree that you break could off easier and break off to try and start a fire or thinking if I get up a little higher, maybe I can see back towards the tent or our camp or whatever's going on over there. Get some, just get some lay of the land in general. Uh, but that didn't work out because there were also, that's where they found the first two bodies. Look, I made a joke earlier about people being dead. I'm not trying to be insensitive, but this is one of those ones where, unfortunately, the punchline of this mystery is that people died. Everybody died. People died. Mm -hmm. So I was just being... All dang. Yeah, all dang. I was just being (laughs) flippant, but I didn't mean to be disrespectful. Also... You're a piece of shit. (laughs) I am. I should also say, uh, at this point... Things are going to get a little... It doesn't get any better. Yeah. Things are going to get a little bit gruesome. Yeah. And we might tell jokes about it to make ourselves feel better Mm. about being scared. Okay. Not about like, well, (laughs) you know, you know what we do. Insensitively insensitive. Oh, oh, I'm going to do it. Okay. Sorry, boys. Attack. (laughs) They say they, uh, they found the first two bodies there. Um, broken branches, remains of a fire, um, between where this tree line and the, the fire and the tent, they found three more people and they were found on the ground, uh, all three facing the direction of the tent Mm -hmm. as if they had been trying to go back back to the tent after leaving and they were found, 300, 450, and 650 meters away from the tent. Mm. For American friends, that's, uh, oh boy, 914 something hundred and 18 something hundred feet. Which, 1800 feet in those temperatures. It's pretty far. I mean, it's in, at least like in a, a quarter snow of a mile. Storm? Yeah. Like you're lost in a snowstorm. You wandered I mean, in a snowstorm, unclothed, a quarter of a mile, at least a quarter of a mile away from your tent. I mean, that's like that. That in its own right is kind of an impressive task. Yeah, you're walking for at least five minutes, just straight in the opposite direction of your of your one point of safety, perhaps. And that, I mean, and that would be five minutes if the ground was like dry you know you're talking about trudging in what could be snow banks up to your hips right or whatever i mean also uh something i came across for the first time today when i was kind of refreshing the story in my brain um it would have been a new moon that night so it would have been super dark as well they wouldn't have had any moonlight to work with new moon equals no moon Mm mm-hmm Ugh. So they found... I feel icky again. <laughs> uh, in the in that first few days of the search, they found the two under the tree and then the three more out uh, in the vicinity of the tent slash tree line. Are we, are we suspecting that between the two people, the two people that they found at the tree by the fire and the three people in between that, like, were... 
Were they trying to journey from one place to the other or back from one place to the other or? Well, the three found in between appeared to be going back towards the tent because they were all facing that direction. But it's not clear where they were coming from. Yeah, I guess that's what I was wondering. Is like, did they they make it to the fire and then try to walk back? Did they try to make it to the fire and then be like, "Fuck it, we can't find it." Walk back. We don't know. I know. I'm just trying to think out loud of like the the different, you know, the different possibilities of how they ended up where they ended up. It would make sense that the five of them reached that point where they found the fire and the two bodies in the tree line, and then three of them tried to go back and didn't make it. Which, you know, the other thing about it, I mean, sorry, I'm just thinking out loud again, Mm -hmm. but like you're going, you know, say you're talking about walking five, 10 minutes in the conditions, maybe more like 15, but like, is that enough to kill you? Like, I know. Yes. Like, I mean, it's not like, well, you're saying that that time. Yeah. Like, is 15 minutes in that cold of temperature enough to actually, like, slow you down to the point of death that quickly? Because um, it doesn't feel like it. Like, it feels like it feels like dying in between those two locations. I, I can see the people dying at the fire being like, okay, they tried to start a fire and survive away from the campsite. They died. I'm trying to see how quickly one can die from exposure at various temperatures. Mm. It's a hard thing to Google, it turns mm-hmm. out. Um, it's hard to say because we don't know what the other factors were either. True. Like, I would imagine without any sort of, like, some some of these people were found basically in their underwear. At negative 30, you have to, if not, if you're not dead... You got to be incapacitated and or delusional pretty quickly. Yeah, if, and, you, if you have no protective gear on. And we don't know how long they were out there for. We just know distance. I suppose that's true. So if whatever had driven them out of the tent took a while to resolve to the point where they thought it might be safe to go back. They could have been out there for Could have been out there time. for hours. Yeah. We, we really have no idea. Yeah, that's true. We know that they didn't travel very far, but we have no idea how, how much time they took. Nine total people? Yeah. So two mostly clo- clothless, mm-hmm. clothingless, by the fire. The improvised forest fire. Yeah, <laughs> not the campfire. Only you can start a forest fire that might save your life. <laughs> So two by the improvised forest fire, mm-hmm. three in between. Yep. They didn't find the other four for almost two months, and they found them when the snow started melting in May. Whoa. And they were found under about four meters of snow in a ravine that was 75 meters further into the woods from the pine tree line where they found the first two in the fire. Got it. So we have it on like pretty good, like we can at least estimate that they they all were sort of headed in a similar trajectory at some point. It seems like they all moved pretty coherently or whatever. They moved together and directly from the tent to the underneath the pine tree where they built the fire. And then from there split up for some reason. Two stayed there. Three tried to go back to the tent and four went further into the woods for some reason. 
That's another question that's so weird to me is like, what is better about the woods? Like you can't see where you're going if you're in the woods. Well, you'd have more cover from the elements. If there's True. if there's a storm raging, you would get some relief from the wind and the snow at least. True. And your only chance at that point is building a fire. You're going to have more fuel material. There. Yeah, I mean if you're out just on the side of a mountain, you're not finding anything to build a fire with. Right. So if you move into the woods at least, it's going to be a little warmer. And you're going to have maybe some dry wood and brush and stuff to try and start a fire with. Yeah. Uh, the four that were found further into the woods um, were covered with four meters of snow, which is a shitload of snow, implying that maybe there had been some sort of avalanche or some sort of, uh, I don't know how you get under 12 feet of snow. Well, how did they know they were under that much snow if they weren't found until the snow started melting? Well, I think the snow melt allowed them to get to certain areas. But then how did they know how much snow they were under? Because by the Because they dug them out of it. They were still under a bunch of snow when they were found. How did they know where to dig, though? Mm. Mm. Footprints, maybe? I don't know. I guess I just figured, like, if it was, you said two months later? Um, May 4th, they were found. So, so a month and a, five weeks or something. Five, yeah. Or a month and change. The first few were found on February 26th. The rest were found on May 4th. Oh, so more than that. March, oh, March, uh, March, April. And two months and change. Two, yeah. So like seven weeks. Um, nope. All not, of March, all of nine April. Weeks. You guys, we are struggle <laughs> bus city today. Holy bananas. Yikes. We're usually like, we make fun of ourselves for being dumb. We are just actually dumb today. today. It's real. Yeah. Like today, yeah. it's really real. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I guess. I don't even know the months anymore. I <laughs> but how did they find them if they were under the snow? What? What's March? Where's this? Dude, in my head, I was going February, April, May. That's honestly what the problem was. You know. Jesus Christ. You know what? We, we owe it to ourselves. A dosage of patience. Are they trash? <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> I apologize. Oh, okay. Um. Anyway, I guess the only only thing I'm trying to like get across with the how much snow were they under when they were found thing, or I guess another thing too is they could have explored the area, known like what level the snow was at, and then they came back to the ravine two months later, and they were like, oh, no wonder we couldn't find them. Because when we were here, this was a flat this was snow. 12 feet higher. Yeah. Right. And now it's not. That seems the, to be the most likely estimation, I guess. Those four that were found were mostly properly clothed. And together ish? Were, they were found together, you're saying? Where, where is that? Yeah. 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 Or, I mean, within, you know, I don't know. Some distance. Yeah. Uh, but they weren't all wearing their own clothing. So it seemed like the ones. The people who had gone farther into the woods took some clothing from the ones who did not. Mm. So potentially at the point where they decided to split up, the three who were going back to the tent may have given some clothing to the four who were going farther into the woods. Or if they were already face down in the snow and dead, the people going further took it off them on their way. Yeah, although I don't think the tracks indicated that. Mm. 
And I don't know for sure if it was the three who were going back towards the tent or the two who stayed. Like maybe the two got a fire going. They're like, okay, we don't need this jacket. If you guys are going into the woods to find more wood or food or whatever, you take these and then come back. I don't know. Again, though, I got to say, how come everybody didn't just have their own ding-dang shit in the first place? Okay, well, yes, and it's about (laughs) to get weirder. Uh oh! Uh, five of the nine, it was determined, died from hypothermia. Just died from essentially freezing to death. Yeah. However, do we know? Sorry, do we know which five? Um. Oh. Of the five, by, the by location, you mean that um, we've covered? Four in the ravine, two by the tree, three in between. Ooh, I think it bars. was ours. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I think the first five. So the the two by the tree. And the three crawling back to the tent. The three in between. The three between. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> a little slow. Uh, the two by the tree and the three between died from exposure. At okay. least three of the four that were found farther into the woods, buried in the ravine, had fatal injuries. Ooh. Including major skull damage and major chest fractures. So one dude's skull had been busted in half. Two of them had their rib cages like crushed, basically. Ugh. The extra weird part is that none of them had external injuries. So there wasn't like, um, you know, if it were like a, a blunt force impact to your head that would right. crack your skull, there would be other, there would be bruising, there would be a cut, there would be something. Yeah, if you fell accidentally off a cliff and cracked your skull. We're going to see that on the outside. There would be a cut. There would be something. It appeared that they had just been crushed. Could that be... Uh, could that be, like, in line with the avalanche concept? That if, they're found, if they were under a bunch of snow... Potentially, yeah. pressure would crush your head and your chest without it actually, like... And 12 feet of snow might be enough pressure to do so yeah the the report the official report um and that include their autopsies said that the force required would have been extremely high comparable to a high-speed car crash Ugh. um and said that the fractures appear to have been caused by a high level of pressure Ugh. so maybe snow falling onto someone and then like progressively more and more that would essentially just crush a person maybe but then but if but if it would be enough to crush your because isn't your skull one of the more like powerful bones in your body don't know damn someone is going to be like you i would guess i would guess motherfucker but i guess what i'm trying to say is like we don't we don't rely on our skull strength too often (laughs) no that's real i guess more what i was thinking is like wouldn't there also if, if you were getting crushed by snow wouldn't you have broken like the majority of your bones as well? I mean, wouldn't something like your fingers and hands or your, you know, your like your forearm bones and shit, like wouldn't all that break as well if you were getting crushed by a mountain of snow? Because those are all weaker bones in our bodies, you know? Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess it would make sense to me that like if you were just being squeezed, your ribs and skull cracking sort of makes sense to me over like, I guess thicker, less compressible bones in your body. Like you're not gonna 
You're That's not gonna true. break your femur if you're just applying pressure to each side of it, you know? I don't know your femur is is your strongest bone in your body. I guess that makes sense too, because your arm and leg bones are flatter and more elongated that yeah. if they were just between two things, there'd be no like nothing to compress to break them unless right. there was like a fulcrum to do that. But right. with your skull and your <laughs> look at you using words chest. like fulcrum. We're bringing it back, guys. We're turning the <laughs> we're turning the smart back up. Um I'll get you with the words. The I math can't. I'll fall apart on. <laughs> the months of the year? No yeah. no chance. The dates? Mm-mm. Um, there were also some other weird injuries to one of the people found in the ravine. Um, one of the two women on the trip, it was seven dudes, two women. Um, when she was found, was missing her tongue, eyes, and part of her lips. Uh, What? She was missing her tongue, eyes, and part of her lips. Uh, what? <laughs> Heck. That's uh, a lot of things to be missing out of your ding-dang face. Yeah, that's, I, I mean, a, a big chunk of your face for sure. It's also very specific Fuck. parts of your face. Well, it's also soft, fleshy bits of your person. You said eyes, tongue, and what was the other one? Uh, lips. Yeah, I guess. I'm just so, thinking in terms of like predators or if you're laying face down and there's like as snow melts, there's water like eroding your face essentially. Ugh. I know, dude, but you know, that's why we don't cover this shit that often. Yeah. <laughs> oh, y'all true crime enthusiasts like tell me about the worms in their head. The She also had, um, she and I think one other person had burns on their hands. Whoa. Which would maybe lend some credence to a uh, a stove issue. Oh, like trying to or trying to put the stove out, or or trying to reattach a, a hot exhaust pipe or something. Uh, or they're really bad at building campfires. Well, <laughs> just grab uh, burning logs and smash them together. You know what? I just had the thought though that maybe um, she burned her lips and eyes off. Oof. <laughs> it's like that old Survivor episode. Like I fell face first into a fire. Huh? I just referenced like season three of Survivor <laughs> on this show. That's a that's cool. a real thing that happened. Uh, you know, I'm I'm here for the references that like they're gonna work for about one percent of people, but for that one percent, they're gonna love. They're it. like, wow, <laughs> he gets me. I'm disturbed. Yeah, I don't know why I decided to do this. I did have the thought though that if you are in some stage of hypothermia. Mm-hmm. And trying to start a fire, you, I, I would imagine, could burn yourself without actually feeling it. Like, yeah, you know, like you're if you're trying to heat your hands back up, but your hands are like close to fully frozen. You stick through, those bitches straight in the fire. I mean, <laughs> either consciously or subconsciously, you're trying to get warm again. Well, and that could have something to do with the odd assortment of clothing as well. Uh, there is, I forget the name for it, but it's like paradoxical undressing or something that people towards the end stages of hypothermia will sometimes undress because they actually feel too hot. Like their insides feel hot. As your body is essentially shutting down or like giving you one last chance at survival. It's because your blood comes in f- into your... Uh... I don't know, but I'd love to hear your like your explanation. No, I actually know. This oh, is okay. like a thing okay, I know great. a little bit about. Great. This is not Wikipedia game, Ryan, being like... <laughs> Sure it's like when this happens. It's the uh, the spirit of death entering your blood from the from the ether. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It uh, it breakdances inside of your spleen and it sends <laughs> flames shooting into your uh, into your blood. 
Well, no, look, if you're not prepared to do the research. <laughs> oh, that's an OG one we uh-huh. haven't heard in a while. Uh, no, I the way that I understand it is that um, your your body when you go hypothermic, it's trying to keep your whole shit alive, and essentially, <laughs> extremely scientific explanation. Shout you out! Know, it's like trying to keep your whole shit going. <laughs> But then, like, because your shit's trying to stop, but it just—it's like, hey, man, you can't stop that shit, or all the shit's gonna stop. You got to keep some of that shit going, <laughs> dude. If my body had a voice, that is absolutely the voice it would want. Just turn off some shit, but not all the shit. I'm on not like, supposed to turn your whole shit off. I'm on like drink number seven downtown on a Saturday night. It's like, hey, man, cut that shit out. You can't be putting all that shit in here. That's too much shit. I need. I need less of that shit so I can keep doing my shit, man. Oh, anyway, God. what about the ghosts in your blood? The ghosts in your blood retreat to your center to try to preserve your mm. most vital organs. So essentially it's trying to keep your, your legs and your hands and your toes. But at a certain point, it's like, man, that shit's a lost cause. I'm like not going to pump the blood that far. I'm going to pump it into your heart and your lungs and your liver and your kidneys and the things that are going to like literally keep you alive. So your core temporarily overheats while the rest of your body is like just conceding. I think that's literally exactly what it is, is it tricks your brain because everything else in your body goes numb because that's not a very good uh, evolutionary trait to have going there because that results in people taking their clothes off and dying. Well, <laughs> our brains sound dumb as hell. <laughs> anyway, you called stripping down naked. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it, we out of here anyway. You show them your dicks on the way out. <laughs> you called the shit. <laughs> Take that shit off. Yeah, I'm dead, but look at my dick. You're gonna be fine. <laughs> Shit's fine. <laughs> yeah, some fun on the way out at least. Um, our body's yelling shit at us. Is my new favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, it's cold as shit. Nah, man, go for it. Take your whole pants off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's the only time you're allowed to take your whole pants off. So anyway, the in summary, because we've been going at this for like almost an hour already, the nine of them are found scattered around this mm, half a mile or so radius from their tent. It's not clear why any of them did any of the things that they did. Yes. Most of them died from exposure. A few died from injuries that it's not clear how they were sustained. Yes. And the official report concluded that they had died from, quote, an unknown compelling force. Well, that sounds unofficial as fuck to me. Mm-hmm. I will say, though. It's also the Soviet Union in the 50s, so. Are we are we transitioning into theories now? Well, real quickly. Yes. A few other uh, points. That's not a theory for whatever it's worth. <laughs> An unknown compelling. If, yeah. if your explanation has the word unknown in it, it's not a good explanation. If I, sorry, sorry, Rob. If I unidentified do, flying objects, not a good explanation. If I had to do anything official, whether that be formerly in my collegiate career, currently in my professional career, I could never be like, like, hey, uh, Ryan, your thesis, uh, I-, I see that that was due six days ago and still hasn't been turned in. Can you tell me uh, why that occurred? Well, you see, it was an <laughs> unknown compelling force. My like, thesis is not it, official. I my, can't do that. Uh, my thesis is I don't fucking know, but know they're dead. Uh, yeah, seriously, like that. I my mean, thesis is how about you suck my dick? <laughs> how about, 
about uh, something happened. Yeah, no, exa- that's literally why we came to you. It was because something happened and we were looking for an answer. Other generally weird things associated with this story. Um, we mentioned that the tent was cut open from the inside, uh-huh. which seems pretty bizarre. Uh-huh. Three items of clothing uh, gave off abnormally high radioactivity readings. Excuse me? Three items of clothing gave off abnormally high radioactivity readings. Those were, do we know where those were found or which ones they were specifically? Um, no, but they were found on two of the gentlemen. Um, and they weren't like crazy high. It was like just higher than normal because, you know, there's radiation everywhere all the time. Right. Um, it was like just past the threshold of normal. And then one item was like considerably past the threshold of normal. Whoa, weird. Uh, those two gentlemen... Because I've heard that thrown around a lot as uh, as we get into the theories of like, oh, they they came, in, they ran into some weird like Soviet military experiment, or they they got zapped by a UFO, or like blah blah blah. Uh, turns out both those gentlemen worked with radioactive materials, okay. so it's very possible that that happened before they ever left for this expedition They're because like- they obviously brought their own clothes with them yeah, that they yeah. wore all the time. They're like Homer Simpson driving out of the plant with a. Radioactive bar stuck in there. And it wasn't like their boots or their parka or something. It was like a shirt and a pair of pants. Sure. That um, they they wore on like a regular basis. And if there had been any sort of like radiation that would have been that unknown compelling force, you wouldn't have just seen it on like a handful of items. It would have been been some swath of it that would have compelled them to do that. So I'd heard that reference a lot. It's probably uh, coincidental. Yeah. I mean, it's. I, th- I I can see how in a report that would be worth noting, but yeah, also, it seems not not actually. It seems like a red herring. Yes, um, there was a twelve year old kid who attended. I don't know why or how he was related to these people, but he attended five of the hikers' funerals for some reason, and said that their skin had changed colors, and that it was like a deep brown orangish color. First of all, put that kid in uh, a lockbox because he's the devil. <laughs> what? What kind of twelve-year-old kid's like? I just go. I just go to funerals. Well, I don't. He may have known them or something. A twelve-year-old kid knew all five of these friends. I don't know. Right. Maybe they did like uh, they volunteered at like the school by the college, and he I don't fucking know. And also, maybe this kid is a psychopath with a weird a fascination well, with sure. dead people, and he saw their true aura, mm. which was did they say what color? It was like a dark tannish orangish color. They turned into oompa loompas. Um, not to be but tall. Not to be gross, but like decomposition is a thing. Decomposition is a thing. Right. So is um, like if how however many of them died of exposure or versions some, of exposure. Some of them were found months later. How did any of them have an open casket? Well, I mean, I guess that the the woman who was missing most of her face probably didn't. Plus the people with crushed skulls. Plus the people who had been. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess maybe there's preservation involved in the like the first five that were found. Yeah, I, I guess mean, you, you are found close enough you in are cold very enough temperatures. Frozen. Yeah. So I guess maybe thaw them out, they might, you know, they might just come back to life. I mean, what's the what's the one Simpsons episode where the uh Jasper goes into the freezer at the Quickie Mart and then comes out in the future? 
I have not seen that episode. That's a good one. I, did, I made a Simpsons reference and then spoiled the fact that I don't actually have as much Simpsons knowledge as he, I He him. walks into the freezer and puts a note on himself to like unthaw him in the future, and then Bart and Milhouse let him out like two hours later, and he thinks it's 100 years in the future. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Got yeah. it. Uh, lastly, there were UFOs sighted nearby. Hmm. Another group of hikers reported that they saw strange orange orbs in the sky the night of the incident, um, and similar orbs slash spheres were also reported uh, by other witnesses, a meteorological service, and the Soviet military. Although it's not clear if those were on the actual same night or just okay. like in the same general time frame. Hmm. I think that's all of the like relevant information. Information. If we want to start speculating for the last mm, ten we, minutes or so, we can go a little over. Um, because I, because I, we have to go a little over. Because I have a the, like a significant amount of questions about this. But I, Shoot. but I, but I have to go. I have to go back to. I think it's my first question, but I also think it's the most important question about this whole thing. Why, okay. why do you leave the tent? Right. Because everything else it's kind of is an offshoot of that question. Right. That's, yeah, that's 100% exactly how I feel. It's like, it, it is, it's the least logical move of all of these moves. I understand if you're not in your tent anymore, I see wanting to start a fire. I see wanting to go further into the woods. I see like, I see potentially giving or exchanging clothing to help keep others warm who don't have a fire. Like there are so many things that are weird about it, you know, mm -hmm. that, that happen after that. But that trigger is the fucking weirdest trigger to me that I cannot wrap my head around. Totally agree. Let me throw some of the uh, hypotheses that I've heard okay. at you and see if any of them make any sense. Okay, let's do this. Uh, first have one. To yell at some people for being <laughs> dumb, but let's do this. First one. There was a fight inside the tent. So how? Okay. Yeah. Involving two or more of the of the expedition members. I can see that making sense for like a relatively short period of time. Okay. But how quickly do you come to your goddamn senses by going like, look, whatever, literally whatever happened. Like I'm trying to think of like, there could have been some very bad things that happened on like a trip like that. I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to speculate. I'm just going to say like, I could see people getting riled up. No matter how bad it is. No matter how bad it is, you you are you you go through the process of destroying the one thing that can keep you alive most, and then you leave it behind. Mm -hmm. Including, didn't they leave their food? That wasn't their food. They in left the tent everything. Still? They left everything. There's food in the tent. There's a there's a stove in the tent. There's clothing and boots and beds and shit in the tent. You leave like everything behind you in the tent and like you know it's a snowstorm it's gonna it's gonna be temporary like if we have to fucking sit on opposite cots and have like mediation fine mm -hmm. but a t a like or even if we have to throw one person out there and just say yeah goodbye fuck off buddy it's better than all of us dying you fuck off <laughs> tell him to run into the woods so let me let me first 
add on one or two things to this potential explanation. Uh-huh. And then let me also shoot them down right afterwards. Okay. <laughs> First, uh, there have been some... Uh, it's it's hard to get really solid information about this because all of the reports were written in Russian in the 50s. They're hard to find, and if you can find them, most of them need to be translated. Right, which complicates things. There are, however, reports that I'm, I'm not sure how accurate or truthful or real they are that, A, the tent was set up incorrectly. Okay. And that, um, B... The day before all this happened, they didn't travel very far relative to the other days of the expedition. Okay. And C, they set up their camp in a really weird spot. If you think about the location, they're on a, first of all, they're on an incline. They're in an extremely exposed location. They're in a spot where they're going to have to go back down the next morning anyway. Yeah. And they're a quarter mile from this tree line and this forest where they would have had much more cover. They would have had access to firewood, etc. That's a good point. Like, why did you ever set up shop there in the first place? But if it was a snowstorm, maybe you're just like, fuck it. Yes. Also, these could potentially be indicators that they as a group were not super coherent at the time of whatever incident took place. Sure. They like, made some weird de- decisions that up till that point they had not made as a group. Yeah. So maybe they, the group dynamic was somehow appeared to be different from what it had been for the rest of the trip. Especially when we remind ourselves that these kids are all people who went to like, what was, I can forget the name of the school. Was it the Ural Polytechnic like relatively educated kids who've done this a lot. Early twenties, either college kids or recent graduates. Relatively, you know, sprite in nature. You know, like they they are all people who, you know, all things considered, would probably be making, I don't know, relatively sane decisions, were it not for a uh, compelling. Unknown compelling force. An unknown compelling force causing them to make less good decisions. Also, at two different points in the report, and maybe like the translation got weird or something, but it the report says both that some of them were intoxicated and then later directly contradicts that and says that they did not even have alcohol on the trip. I mean, if you're going on a category three hike into the mountains i feel like one of the least efficient things you can keep in your bag right plus i mean you got nine people and they were going to be gone for up to like what two three weeks uh i think the whole thing they were they left on the 27th they're supposed to return on the 12th so yeah like two 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 weeks i mean how how much liquor are you actually going to have with you to impact right no decisions agreed and then all of this, I think, is nullified by the fact that they, whatever they did, they moved in like a pretty orderly fashion away from the tent. If there was a fight, if they were not like in a, of sound mind when they did what they did, they walked pretty much in a straight line as a group to the first like 
tree line location where they built the fire. Well, then that's part of the weird split to me is like your method of exit yells drastic chaos violent fear yeah chaos um immediacy urgency Mm -hmm. but then to be followed up by we're all going to move in a group in relatively the same direction does not say that same exact thing agreed i think the the fight explanation probably doesn't work no let me try another one okay if they were asleep Yes. Because this happened sometime overnight, we think. If they were asleep and one or some of them woke up to the tent either filled with or filling with smoke. Yes. Because something had gone wrong with their wood-burning stove thing. Yep. It seems possible to me that someone could have woke up in the middle of the night thinking, oh shit, the tent is on fire. Yep. We got to get out right now. Who cares if we cut the tent? It's burning down anyway. Right. Like the tent is already a loss. We need to get out. This is a more immediate threat as we're all going to die right now. One person wakes up the other people in a panic and says, just screaming out of like dead sleep, get out. Yeah. Right. Cut the tent open. Get out. So whoever's closest grabs their fucking butcher knife and cut the tent open. Butcher knife. It would explain a... The tent being cut open. Yes. Be the weird state of half-dressed that everyone seemed to be in. Because you grab whatever is within arm's reach or whatever you already have on. And the the franticness with which the exit occurred. Mm -hmm. Um, You're going to move in a somewhat orderly way. Like, if it's really rough outside, you're going to want to stick together, stay close, pick a point, and just go to it. Like, everybody just walk towards that big tree that we can all see. Right. Sure. Gonna walk more or less in a straight line there. You get over there and realize, oh fuck. It wasn't burning down. We're dicked. Maybe if we get back to the tent, we have a chance of salvaging it because it's not on fire. Maybe we can stitch up the hole we just cut or at least salvage part of it, whatever. Three people go back thinking I think we can save this, or at least we have a stove. We can make a fire there. The other five, two, whatever the combination was, say, I think that's dumb, or no, we're going to stay here for whatever reason. People split off. Ends poorly for everybody. Never split up. If anything (laughs) has been learned by all of the episodes of this show and any horror movie you've ever seen, don't split up. You split up. Well, and it die. didn't work out. Yeah, it didn't work out. Okay, so I'm gonna combat that one too. Yep. But here, okay, so I'm I'm thinking of, I'm trying to think about this in in my brain and your brain and our brain. Like, let's say you and I and Mason and Chance and Dan are all camping together. Yep. Do you not? I mean, we get out of the tent, right? We're we're like, fuck, get out. We get out. Is it your is your initial reaction to actually go way far away from the tent, or is your initial reaction to be like, this is our only home that's going to save our lives. Let's go through whatever the immediate precautions are to try to save this thing. Like, yeah, are you scooping snow to go throw it on the fire one at a time? Are you? That's my biggest problem with that theory is 
you wouldn't move a quarter of a mile away from the tent. You'd right. move five feet away and then try. And then go, fuck, we have to save this thing. Right. I mean, are you taking a knife and going to the stove side and like cutting along the base three feet to like open it up and try to yank the or, stove out? Or you get outside of the tent and realize, oh, there are no actual flames. Right. We're not, we, we're not in any danger here because the, the tent had not been burnt. Right. So it might have filled with smoke, which I can understand being like, oh, well, we can't go back in there because we'll get, you know, we'll get poisoned. Right, but as soon as you get outside, you can take two steps outside and figure that out. Right. You don't go a quarter of a mile away. Right. And, and then try and go back. And, and I think your initial instinct, my initial instinct would be like, at all costs, preserve the thing that's going to keep us alive in these conditions, not I, run away from that I thing. I totally agree. I'm still trying to get past the first step of why would you ever cut your way out of the tent to begin with? And I and, and I it get, could answer that. Yes, agreed. From there, I don't think it really holds up very well. Right. But I can't I honestly can't come up with any good reasons to why you would even cut the tent open other than that or even like the fight angle doesn't make sense to me. You would throw the two people out who are fighting. You wouldn't all leave. Yes. Agreed. You know? That, like that does, and you wouldn't cut the tent open unless it was accidental, which it didn't appear to be because there were multiple cuts, including failed cuts. Right. You would you'd zip open that door and toss the two people out, and you wouldn't even do that because you would know that you're sending them to fucking die. Right. You would you'd get the three biggest dudes and pin the person down who's fighting somebody. Yeah. And you and you sit or on knock and, his ass out. You know whatever you gotta do to not take all all nine of you outdoors. Yeah, we're going in the middle down of the together, night. right? Yeah. Like there's no there's no reason that makes sense to me for all nine people to leave the tent in the middle of the night. Yes, especially in, in, the, in such in, a manner, in the manner and in the state that they did, like without even being dressed. Um, right. Other uh, other theories quickly, just so we cover the more. Uh, out there ones infrasound you familiar with that one yeah so this is the concept of in in certain conditions certain pitches can be reached by natural or unnatural forces that have a uh, sensory and then psychological effect on the recipient of those frequencies potentially yes did I, um, did I, how'd i do yeah, great. Okay, in, 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 infrasound <laughs> is so basically humans can hear, generally speaking, from 20 hertz up to 20,000 hertz. Anything below 20 hertz is inaudible to us, but can still have some effects on our bodies because it's a vibration that we can physically feel and sense in some ways. There, I, I'm not up on the science, but it has been at least uh, postulated that infrasound can have physical effects, but also psychological effects on people in terms of like anxiety and panic, but also yeah. nausea and other weird feelings. Um, it can be created usually through like mechanical means, um, through like an engine of some kind, or like if you're near train tracks or something that generates a lot of like really low frequency energy, but also in like a mountain pass where there are strong winds blowing consistently through an area it has been hypothesized that infrasound could occur naturally in those places right you hit a except you know you wouldn't be able to hear it yes um I, this this doesn't do anything for me honestly because you'd have to 
It would have to affect all nine people in a stronger way than has ever been documented. Yep. At the and same in a more time, immediate way than's ever been. Documented. At the same time, and very suddenly. Yes. And then, still, everything else from that point doesn't make much sense. It's just sort of like answering one unknown with another unknown. Yep, I'm with that. Aliens. They saw a UFO and or aliens and got freaked out because other people saw UFOs in the area the same night. Yeah, but your tent doesn't have glass ceilings in it. Well, maybe the UFO pulled up right ne- right next to the tent. And they got freaked out? Or maybe somebody got sucked out through the wall of the tent. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. You didn't think about that, did you? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe that happened. Uh-oh! I do think, not related to the alien theory specifically, like... Orbs reported in the area by meteorologists in the Soviet Union is an interesting tidbit, but like, I don't know how much credence I'm going to give that to this. Sure. I do think, though, when you said pulled up outside the tent, I can see there being. Because to me, if fire wasn't the thing that made them go away from the tent, is there something that could have affected them wanting to go away from the tent? And. Wanting them wanting to leave it in the first place. What would that thing be that wouldn't leave any trace, though? That's what gets me. Like when you know, okay, so you hear a bear or a mountain lion or something. Yeah, there would be tracks. There would be some sort of evidence of that. If you if you can see their tracks walking away from the tent, you'd see fucking bear tracks. That's true. You'd see vehicle tracks if that's what we're talking about. That's true. Anything that would have been compelling enough to get all of them to leave the tent. I would think would leave some sort of trace. I mean, would it be possible that like, like, could they have felt like the storm was like closing in on them or crushing them or like, would like, like, I don't know, you know, in, in the drifts and stuff, maybe the snow is building up and someone's like, Oh fuck. What if it's an avalanche? What if we're going to get crushed by the tent? Oh shit. Oh fuck. And then, you know, you get like, like that multiple paranoid delusion thing going on where you can feel the snow start sort of like weighing in on the tent and you're like, fuck, if we stay here, we're going to get crushed. So Let's get out. So you'd cut your way out and just run out into the night without putting your shoes on? No. Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, yes, you're on a you're on a hill, it's snowing, there's already a huge snowpack. Like, yeah, avalanche could be a concern. But then you would think they would know enough to not camp there in the first place if that was a legitimate concern. Yep. You would have assessed that when it was light out and you made that decision. And then B, that wouldn't be... Because there wasn't an avalanche, there you wouldn't think there would be this sense of urgency that we have to go right now to the point where we can't unzip the tent door and you can't put your damn socks on. Right, right. Yeah, there's At not, least one person went out fucking barefoot. Yeah, there's not an immediacy to that that is relevant. You go out barefoot in negative 30, you're losing your foot in like 10 minutes. Dude, that's crazy. Like that part, that, that line alone that somebody ran out of the tent barefoot is- Walked. Cut walked. The, cut the fucking thing open and then walked barefoot. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yes. I don't know what explains that. Even that one thing, I can't get there. That to me is like that whole you can't you can't have been sound of mind. Right. That's not a rational decision not under like any circumstances. Not even close. Is there a possibility that some ration they brought with them or food source or something like that was... They got, they got the ergot. 
Did they get the ergot? I mean, <laughs> but seriously though, is there some but on sort day of five or six or whatever it was? I don't know, maybe. Second loaf of bread was fucked. Are you eating the same the same loaf of bread with low dosage of ergot and by night five you all built up a sufficient like you know? But the other thing about that too though is I feel like since we have diaries and photos leading up to that date, we would have had some documentation of people like Going a little fucking cuckoo and, and feeling crazy or feeling weird. It's more of like there was an immediate a sudden break, a sudden break in reality in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night. I don't know, dude. Is it a Yeti? <laughs> Might as well. We out of here! That is also a theory for whatever it's worth. Oh, is yeah. that a Yeti tried to attack their, their tent? What's your what's your what do you like if you got to do one? What is it? I don't know, man. None of it makes sense to me. Uh. I I don't know. I like I in terms of getting out of the tent in the first place, the the smoke one makes the most sense to me. It would create the the need the necessary urgency. Yeah. Um and the like the chaos yep. of well get out, get out, get out. If I'm gonna burn to death, I'd rather be outside with barefoot than right. burn to death in the tent. Right. But then that falls apart as soon as you step out of the tent. It doesn't, doesn't. The one thing I was thinking about is um, I saw this I saw this really great video on the internet the other day of a kid waking up in his classroom, like his teacher's trying to get him to wake up because he fell asleep in class. He's like a mm-hmm. little kid, like a little mm-hmm. six-year-old or whatever. And she's like packing his like book bag for him, being like, put your book bag on and get out of here. And the kid wakes up out of his sleep and... Instead of putting on the shoulder straps of his book bag, he grabs the arms of the chair that he's sitting in <laughs> and puts it on like it's his book bag and starts Tight. walking to the door. Tight. First of all, strong little fucker. St- I mean, it was like a plastic chair, but like whatever. Just first of all, fantastic. Second of all, I feel like we can all relate to that moment of being yanked out of a deep sleep and thrown into a condition where you're like, you just are like doing something until you realize, like, wait, what the fuck am I doing and why am I doing this? If it were one person, yes, but. Nine people simultaneously, but but I guess and no one being like, wait, 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 wait. Do you guys see any fire? I don't see any fire. No one. I mean, yes. To the point where you all fucking die before you realize what's happening. I mean, was the smoke bad enough that they were like, it's for sure on fire? Get away! Get away! Get away! Like, they, go a quarter. We all need to go a quarter of a mile away. That is so far away. We all need to walk in a straight line for five to ten minutes before we even like consider what else could be happening. It doesn't make any sense. I fucking hate this one so much, dude. <laughs> there, I, I do think it's possible that there was like the uh, the Soviet military angle is somewhat intriguing to me, except that there's absolutely no evidence of it. Just as like yeah. a purely speculative hypothetical scenario. They saw some, either they saw something they weren't supposed to see, or that they didn't understand, that scared the shit out of them, to the point where they like needed to de-ass the area, and then it took a while to try and figure out what was going on, whether it was safe or not. There was clearly disagreement about whether it was even safe to go back to the tent. That right. that that part doesn't make sense to me either. Right. Three of them tried to go back. Two of them tried to stay, and four, and four of them tried went to the go opposite further. Direc- yeah. The opposite direction, right? Right. Not even knowing what was over there because they fucking fell to their death. And I think, like, I think that, uh, I think that that 
combination of lack of agreement about it is what leads an official to say I don't fucking know an unknown compelling force <laughs> yeah. they're like it must have been intense it must have been compelling enough to get you to do something but for us to actually have like evidentiary trails to what that is they don't exist no so like I know we flame that dude for being like it's an unknown compelling it's about force. as good as you can do because we just arrived at the same conclusion right after talking through basically every angle yeah well, we're out of here that'll do it <laughs> Hey, before we go, we have to say a big thank you. If you if you uh, if you don't follow us on the gram, you should because you are now all familiar with the one and only Bear. Uh, Bear sent us a what if gift that is an absolute delight. Bear, an absolute unit. You know, an absolute <laughs> unit. If, we we joked that Bear might be sending us a uh, a Ferris wheel. It might as well have been for all the color and heft and uh, in intensity of of the gift. Our man sent us like a fifty pound purple alien sculpture that says "What if" across its chest. And I was sitting in the studio today. <laughs> And it's the studio is set up such that I'm looking out a window towards the street while uh-huh. I'm working all day. Uh-huh. And I see this UPS truck pull up, and I was like, oh, yeah, our, our posters for the live show are coming today. Uh, I should go grab those. It's raining. I don't want them sitting outside. So yep. I stand up to go walk towards the front door. And I get to the front door, and I see the UPS guy. Uh, he pulls off this, you know, smaller, like, poster size package. Yep. And then he goes back and he grabs this fucking huge cardboard box off of the truck. And I see him struggling to put like a giant plastic trash bag over it because he's going to leave it on the front step. Right. And doesn't want that to get wet either. And at that point, I, I open the door to be like, hey, man, I'm here. You're like, I'll take that from you, whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes to pick it up. And this dude has to do like a full squat, squat, <laughs> like sumo lift around this thing. And he's he's doing the like. You ever watch the uh, the world's strongest man competition where they have to lift the like the boulders like the, the like, spheres six hundred pound boulder? Oh yeah, and they're doing the like lean back waddle thing. He's doing that. Dude is doing that with this box coming up my my <laughs> sidewalk, and I go out to grab it from him. He's like, no, 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 no. I was like, what? He's like, this thing's this thing's really heavy. Just like open the door, let me set it down inside. I was like, oh, okay, uh, okay, All man, right. and just trying to like tip this thing to open it like the on the outside of the box it said 57 pounds i feel like the guy that delivered it deserved to know that it was a giant purple alien <laughs> laying in a seductive position for him to know what he worked so hard to get into your house <laughs> to know that it was totally fucking worth it it was totally fucking worth so it anyway thank you bear thank, thank you, you bear. nick uh, that will be prominently displayed in the studio to freak out all of our guests Watch, from now on. Watching over us as we uh-huh, talk about uh-huh. weird shit every week. Appreciate you, Bear. Um, if it starts talking to me while I'm in here by myself at any point, it just, may... it's going straight in the trash. I'm sorry. We, we Actually, I, I think you're supposed to bury it, right? Is, Is that, that how move? it works? Yeah, don't burn it. That releases the evil spirit. Oh, you got to bury it. I think it. you're supposed to bury it or okay. something. Um, 
Ooh, maybe, but yeah, please. Maybe that'll be our time capsule. Hopefully Bear did not send me a haunted <laughs> alien sculpture, but I guess we'll find out. We'll find out. Uh, if you want to call and leave us a voicemail like Bear does, uh, y'all can call us at 612-246-4614 and, uh, and leave us AAVM. If you want to send us an email, uh, also, if you want to ask a question at the live show, email's the best way to do that. Hit us up at hi. Or just show up and yell at us. What if podcast.com? Or yeah, fuck it. Maybe we'll leave a maybe we'll leave some time to be like, hey, do you guys want to just randomly do like some audience QA? Because we can do that too. Um September 19th, we'll see you guys there. Peace. Love you, bye. Face your fears, son. This place is a prison and these people aren't your friends. Ain't no postal service when it's always Sunday in your head. Letters unsent, burning that candle at both ends in a break room, ready to break. Halfway to broke, halfway to broken down This job makes you nauseous, you try to hold it down And they will take every opportunity to comment on your luck Because in this economy, you gotta be like, bottoms up Even when you know it's poison, yo You feeling well, like a body that's so hungry it begins to eat itself Bootstraps so tight, you can't admit to needing help On the rail, feel like hell, you want it to all stop Jackass manager making small talk, try to stay focused you casually glance at your watch and see that you are halfway to being halfway to being halfway done with half of half of your day. Uh, punch that clock till it bleeds. It feels like they're trying to break us, break us, break us. They tell you to follow your dreams as your alarm is going off like wake up. All of my life I've been lied to Just found out my boss makes 500 times what I do And still wants to cut my hours back to 39 and 3 quarters Cause 40 gets you a health plan And I got a feeling I'ma need it Losing feeling and my knees and my lower back And I'm going back trapped like a lower class clown Hold the rap down till we kill each other with cheddar Keep us hungry so we never organize for nothing better Just make it through the day, make it through the week, make it through the month Make a millionaire another couple bucks What? And like that the coffee buzz is gone It's only 9.30 step by step with the other pawns one square at a time somewhere between the walking dead and the buried alive you can't steal what's already been stolen you cannot kill what is already dead so if we gotta be zombies let's snatch the ceo and see if there is a brain in his head until then punch that clock till it bleeds it feels like they're trying to break us break us break us they tell you to follow your dreams as your alarm is going off like so when you got a dollar in your pocket put your hands in the air ten dollars in your pocket put your hands in the air if it's a hundred or a thousand that's fair but there's no such thing as an innocent millionaire if you got a dollar in your pocket eat a taco ten dollars buy some peanut butter and some bread if you got a hundred or a thousand you can stock up but a million may as well be human flesh if you got a dollar in your pocket drink some water ten dollars you can have a beer with your lunch if you got a hundred or a thousand you can dig your own well and for a million you can drink all the blood you can suck that dollar in your pocket is an insult ten dollars in your pocket ain't enough the reason that so many of us are have nots that the haves have way too much let's get them